0: We are Gold Ivy. Our mission is to empower you to own and unleash your truth. Stories of resiliency are gold and ivy grows in hard places. Those hard places are what creates space for light to shine through. You decide what works for your daily life and how to transform our lessons into your gold. This is Ivy Unleashed, a Gold Ivy production. Brooke, what do you think everyone wants more of? energy what do you think most people are hoping to come out of 2023 with Mm, feel more confident be an example for others actually have the self-discipline to take care of themselves yes exactly because we hear the need for it and we want to help you get in the best shape of your life we created move with gold ivy our virtual workout platform our dream has been to create accessible affordable and effective workouts that you can do anytime anywhere Designed to hold you accountable and get you the results you need. You can pick any workout you want at any time, but if you do want a plan that alternates muscle groups and leaves your body feeling energized and strong, we have a weekly plan that you can follow to take the guesswork out. It's easy to navigate and packed with all kinds of workouts that will help you
1: strengthen, trim, pump up, tone, energize, de-stress, all of the things we want
0: our body to feel. It's within MOVE. Don't forget to mention the resources we offer. As a member of Move With Gold Ivy, you'll be a part of our exclusive Ivy League community where we share our top wellness resources on things like meal planning, gut health hacks, time management, and more. And because you listen to the Ivy Unleashed podcast, we want to offer you all of this for only $20 a month, cheaper than any monthly membership you'll find. Not only that, you'll get a free trial week to test it out. And if you need more incentive to start prioritizing you, here's our favorite part. Your movement matters. Each month, 10% of your membership will be donated to support the mental health of those in need. So head on over to goldivyhealthcodecom move or find the link within the show notes of this episode and sign up today. Stop putting yourself in the back burner. Snag your spot and reap the benefits that you deserve to feel this year. It's your time.
1: Move for your health, move for your confidence, move for your mental clarity, move with Gold Ivy.
0: Welcome back to Ivy Unleashed. Today is a dream come true. This is insane. We have Gabrielle Stone in the house. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Oh my God, thank you for having me. I can't wait to get into it with both of you.
0: (laughs) There is something about reading someone's book and then meeting them that it's like, Unexplainable. It's like our dream, right? Like, this is why we started this. We wanted to hear people's stories. We wanted to talk to people about their books. We feel like freaking Oprah right now. It's like (laughs) we get to talk to Gabrielle about uh, a pretty tough life, some beautiful lessons learned along the way, but with someone that is so honest, it's
2: refreshing. Oh, thank you.
0: You're welcome. We're like TMI girls and we like, ask us anything. It's like totally fine. We, we talk about our poop on air. Like it's totally fine.
1: We're real and raw. And so to have someone else that's meeting us at that level is amazing.
0: Yeah. And this is like, this is even a new level, right? Like this, this book that Gabrielle wrote, she's written many books, but one, one that we read is Eat, Pray, FML, which is just I can't even explain it. Like, it needs to be a movie, but we're going to get into what this book is all about. Gabrielle is such a great writer where you feel like you're in Europe with her. You're going through a heartbreak. You're having sex with some hot guy from Ireland. (laughs) And you're you're eating the best food you've ever tasted. Like, I could taste the crepes. Like, it was unbelievable. Like, I, I also gained 10 pounds when I was in Europe,
2: but... I mean, if you don't gain 10 pounds when you're in Europe, are you really doing life right? No, no. Yeah. I mean, come on.
0: My OB said, we need to talk about fruits and vegetables. And I said, listen, I'm a health coach. I'm a health coach. And I just went to Europe for two weeks. So we're not going to talk about that.
2: I I mean, you don't go to Europe for the fruits and the vegetables. You go for the pasta and the cheese and the bread. That's just what you do. Maybe some wine. Yeah, (laughs) right. And the wine, obviously the wine.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So let's get into your story first. Let's kind of paint the picture of your life. Uh, Even before marriage, you experienced a ton of loss. You've experienced a ton of everything. But can you just tell our listeners a little bit about you and your life kind of leading up to adulthood?
2: Yeah, so I grew up in Los Angeles, born and raised. Both of my parents were in the film industry. So my mom is Dee Wallace, who people would know from E.T. or The Howling or Cujo. My dad was also an actor. He did a lot of TV shows. He did Dallas, uh, some of the soap operas. He was also in Cujo and The Howling with my mom. He directed as well. And Apart from growing up off and on on film sets, my life was really normal. I was the only child. My mom tried for six years to get pregnant with me, so I was like her miracle baby. And they always made sure someone was at my dance recitals or my soccer games. If one of them booked a job, the other person wouldn't take one. If they were out of town for more than a week, we went and visited as a family. It was a very loving. Incredible family unit that we had and unfortunately that all came to a screeching halt when I was six years old My mom was in New Zealand shooting a movie called the frighteners with Peter Jackson and I was at home with my dad and my nanny and I ran into his room to wake him up for morning cartoons And found him dead on the floor from a heart attack so that was the first kind of moment in my life where I experienced the realization of abandonment. Um, Obviously, like my dad didn't choose to leave me in such a traumatic way, but that is what my six-year-old little girl self experienced was that daddy left and now I had this fear of abandonment that I was kind of dealing with. My mom, you know, is a freaking saint, flew home the next day, which is like a 24-hour travel day, took care of me put on his celebration of life, took my nanny and I, got back on a plane a week later, flew back to New Zealand and finished the film like a freaking badass. And that was kind of my first example of when your life explodes, how you find the courage to muster through it and just keep going. And that kind of abandonment wound was reopened when I was 18 and I lost my high school sweetheart in a car accident. So it was like the second man I had really like opened my heart up to this like first big puppy love of my life. And like my dad, he was taken away from me. And it was, again, that fear of abandonment, which literally was translating to when I love someone, they die. So this was my kind of big task, if you will, in life to kind of overcome how to not have that fear of abandonment, how to not allow that to subconsciously attract certain relationships and situations into my life to continuously learn that lesson over and over. And uh, when I finally met the man that I married, I thought, as did everyone in my life, that I was finally in this safe, secure relationship. And unfortunately, that was very not what it was.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And when you read this book, you want to find this dude and just beat him to a pulp because you're so mad. <laughs> I'm kind of blanking right now. I can't I can't think of in the books. I read the first couple chapters like a month ago. I'm trying to think of how you found out that he wasn't this guy that you thought he was. How did that come to a head?
2: So it was, it's detailed in the book, but more or less, I, it was intuition and I had a feeling in my gut that something was wrong. And I, you know, openly was like, look, I, I'm sure this is my bullshit coming up, but it would be really helpful if I could sit down and look through your phone. Oh, yes. Yes. And that was like the first little string that appeared. And like when you start pulling at the strings, there's like a whole mess of yarn that ends up falling down at some point. And he went on a work trip a couple of weeks after that and had left his computer open in the office. And I had got, it was a shared office space. And I went in to get stuff out of the filing cabinet. and it it went off and I saw an email come in from where he was supposed to be to Ubering to a different city. And right then I was like, mm, something's not right. And clicked the trash email and uh, like the whole mm. affair was sitting in the trash email.
0: Forgot to take out the trash, sir. Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is
2: a scene out of a movie. Mm hmm. It's so funny that you say that because when I, you know, it's obviously it's only the first two or three chapters of the book. Um, It's really the preface as to like all the crazy shit that happened after that. And when I decided I was going to write the book, I was going to basically say, yeah, I was married. I got divorced. It sucked. He cheated. And then all this happened. And I went to dinner with one of my girlfriends and she's like, no, 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 no. The way that you found out about that was like an episode of CSI. You have (laughs) to write about finding out and like all the crazy stuff that went down. Because it was, we were like making fake social media accounts to spy on their trip happening, like gathering all this evidence. It was ridiculous looking back on it. And it really was the catalyst to me having a second chance at life because I had been so unhappy in my marriage for so long. I just didn't know why. And this really gave me the green light to be like, you have permission to leave and go take your life back.
0: What's wild too is from there. I feel like, like the next two months are like in fast forward times three, like everything happens so fast and it's like, Oh, Oh my gosh. Like she's in love. Oh my gosh. She's on a plane. Oh my gosh. She's going here. Okay. What city is she in now? Like you're on no sleep. You've got like no gas in the tank and life is happening so fast. And I think it's brilliant that you had the forethought of, I should be writing this all down. You know, cause sometimes you live this wild ride and you don't realize how wild it was till you're like off the terrible roller coaster. Well, and when it's going so fast to even take the time to
1: sit down, I'm like, how did she capture all of this in you know the two and a half months that it was? So let's fast forward for our listeners. So you find out that this man is, oh, we got we to gotta get rid of him. And then you meet a new man and then you're on a plane. So we obviously want our listeners to buy the book and they will, but- what do you feel like would be helpful to to give our listeners you know about how you ended up on this flight with your boyfriend but not going going to the same place but not necessarily going to be with him when you're there?
2: so this is all on the back cover synopsis so we can get into you know <laughs> getting up onto the plane, but I drove away from the house with my husband and was like. I'm going to be single for at least a year. Like I'm done. This is like time to focus on myself. Famous last words always. (laughs) And the universe was like, psych bitch. No, no, you're not. (laughs) I reconnected with this guy who I had been on two dates with before I even met my husband. And like, when I tell you this was the one person I was ever capable of being casual with, because like, I'm not good at casual flings and stuff, but like, This literally was, we went to a club, we danced, we laughed, we made out. That was it. Like it never was anything serious. So he slid into my DMS (laughs) and was like, Oh my God, where have you been for the last six years? I was like funny story. (laughs) And basically we started talking and we, we made plans to go to the beach and it became very evident very quickly that this was going to be anything but casual. It, like you say, was on fast forward mode and literally went from zero to 100. And we, in the span of a couple of days, fell in love with each other. And it was wild because I had just, you know, two weeks before left my, my house with my now ex-husband, who still wasn't my ex-husband yet. But mentally, I feel like I had been checked out of the marriage for quite a while and very unhappy. So- People always ask if he was a rebound and I always say, I wish Uh, it would have been so much easier. (laughs) Unfortunately, when I left my marriage, I was weirdly okay. Like I knew that this was happening for a reason. I knew that this was going to be a second chance for me to really find my happiness. And I, we fell in love like very, very quickly, very intensely and a few days in he said well i don't really know what to do i have a a month in italy booked coming up and i was like well i would never tell you not to go travel and he said no i want you to come with me and of course i'm like you're fucking crazy like <laughs> what <laughs> i didn't even ask if i could cuss on this podcast and i'm just on oh, here dropping f bombs so we <sighs> knew what we were
1: getting into right right
2: <laughs> there, like, we knew when we invited you i was like you're crazy But also, when are you leaving? (laughs) Um, You know, a Europe trip had been on my bucket list for quite some time. And he said September 4th, which would have been my two year wedding anniversary. And I'm like, all right, when are you coming home? And he said October 4th, which is my late father's birthday. So at this point, I'm like, all right, universe, I hear you. I'm I'll go to Europe. So I booked my ticket. We're together for like a month and a half of just pure bliss meeting his mom. His mom is like, oh my God, you're the daughter-in-law I didn't know I needed. Like his sister's already calling me sister. His friends are like, we've never seen him like this before. It's just like sunshine and roses. And like, obviously this is why I had to get cheated on before. Because like, look what's happening now. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so- everything's going amazing. And right before we are getting on this trip to go on this romantic month-long trip to Italy, he tells me that he needs to go by himself and breaks up with me 48 hours before we are getting on a plane. And I was devastated. Like this man broke my heart, like my ex-husband never could have done. And I was sitting on my bed crying At my mom's house, because that's where you move when you get divorced. (laughs) And was like, okay, well, you have a decision to make. You can either stay at home, be heartbroken, or you can go travel Europe for a month by yourself. And my bag was already fully packed and was like, I guess I'm going to Europe. So I took a backpack and I did six countries over the span of the month and wrote Eat, Pray, FML.
0: (laughs) It's so amazing, and there's so much we could get into with this oh, whirlwind of time, but I think something that's really important and I'm really curious about, because I've never done, I've never traveled alone, is the, how you go from being embarrassed in London to have somebody take your picture by yourself To like, I think maybe you were by the time you were in Barcelona, you were like proud. You were like, I'll take a picture by myself. Like it's So I would love for you to talk about that, just that journey of getting comfortable with just being by yourself and being alone.
2: Yeah, totally. Solo travel is so incredible. I think everyone should do it once in their life. You don't have to get on a plane and leave the country. You can go to a different state. You can go on a solo camping trip you know, that's a drive, but it's, it's life-changing and it will really show you things about yourself that you never knew. So I would never have been like, I'm going to book a solo trip and just go on a whim, like without planning. I'm so type A. I love to organize. I love to plan, like not my style. Uh, I would go with like, you know, my mom or a friend or n- had never solo traveled by myself. And I was terrified. The only thing I knew about, you know, solo travel and hostels was that people get brutally murdered (laughs) in the (laughs) horror movie.
0: Oh, my gosh. When you're in Paris and – you're walking around with this creepy dude. I'm like, oh, God. She's goner. Yeah. Right. This is where she died. <laughs> you actually say that in the book, too. She's like, and that is where I died. <laughs> <Just
2: kidding. laughs> and it's, you know, we've all seen Taken. I was like, I don't know. Like, this could go really bad in a myriad of ways with, like, the trajectory of how my life is currently going. and But I, I was like, you know, I'm going to trust the universe. I'm going to take the leap. And listen, hostels are like adult summer camps you go, everybody's solo traveling. Everybody wants to meet people. Everybody's like going out on pub crawls and like sightseeing together. It's it's like the best place to meet people. So I really think that when I first got to London, which was my first stop, and I was staying with a girlfriend I went to high school with. So it was like a little introductory into being alone. And It was there was that feeling of like, oh, God, I'm alone. There's all these, you know, couples traveling. There's all these friends traveling like and I'm standing here by myself. And it takes a little getting used to to be like, I'm going to go to dinner alone and just hang out. (laughs) And by the second and third location on my trip, I was like, oh, I'm a badass. (laughs) Like, this is awesome. Not only was I heartbroken twice and like had my life ripped out from under me, but then I got on a plane and now I'm traveling the world by myself and like finding out who I am. I never realized how capable I was without any assistance, like without a guy in my life, without my mom, without anything. It was just me. And knowing that I could not only like survive and be fine, but thrive on top of that was such an empowering thing to feel and to realize about yourself. And the biggest gift that this trip gave me, and I think it was through solo traveling that it really like helped instill that, was that I'm never truly abandoned because I will never abandon myself. And for that to click for me, it was the start of me changing my life around.
1: Where do you feel like that clicked for you cuz you said you know by the second location you it sounds like you had the evidence of okay I've traveled for how long now by myself but what what was that healing process really like was it in the slow moments where you're writing and reflecting that you're having these aha moments or what does that look like
2: yeah it was a lot of thought onions which is a technique that I came up with that I write a lot about in the book which you basically can dissect your thoughts to figure out what's at the root and what's that subconscious belief that's causing them and driving you. So through a lot of those and really immersing myself in the experience and allowing myself to meet myself wherever I was. So if I wanted to cry and write in the place I was staying at for six hours, that's what I would do. If I wanted to go out and party and and drink and make some bad decisions, that's what I did. It was really... Allowing myself to sit in it and not try and force myself to get over it or feel better or get through it and just be with myself. Because so often when we're at home, it's like we're on our phones or we're on Netflix or we're on both, you know, and we're not truly ever just present with ourself. And it really that and writing the book and getting so much of my emotions and my feelings out allowed me to really like rediscover who I was and the fact that if I know that I'm here for myself, then it doesn't matter what man leads me. It doesn't matter who dies in my life. Like I will always be able to somehow get through that if I take care of myself.
0: So freaking beautiful. I think that is, I mean, we were telling Gabrielle before this, that our audience is a majority is women. And I think it's so important to think about that like your dependence you have on men or your partner or your family or whatever it is of you know is there anything underneath of that that you could explore to show yourself what you're capable of right because you know we all have these dependencies on things whether it's a person or a substance or social media or whatever it is but I think something that you know as you're saying the more you were writing the more you were getting to those subconscious thoughts and we've seen it over and over. The most, like, transformational thing for people is writing. Whether or not mm-hmm. you're a writer, just write. You know, get it out of yourself. And so before this, like, you clearly knew you were writing the book the whole time you were there. You were telling everybody. They were like, hey, you'll be in the book. Like, you're going to make the book, you know. <laughs> but um, this is your first book, right? So how yes. did you have the confidence to be like, I'm writing a book? Like, obviously, it had a wild story. But, like, most people don't just know they're going to write a book.
2: Yeah, you know. I was not a writer before this. I had written a short screenplay that we had made into a a short film that did really well, but that's obviously incredibly different than writing a book. I used to be able to bullshit the hell out of an English essay, but like was not a writer by any means, didn't go to school for it, didn't, you know, have any background in it. And when I found out I was taking this trip by myself, it quite, I mean, I don't know how woo-woo your audience gets, but it quite literally was like, I i heard it. Like, you're gonna write a book. I had also went to see a medium before the cheating stuff even came to light. And one of the things she kept repeating to me was like, I need you writing. I really need you to be writing. And at the time I'm like, I don't have any ideas for a script. Like, I don't know what the, what this chick is saying. Like, I don't have anything to write. I'm not inspired, whatever a couple months later, my life blows up. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to write a book. Oh, that's what she meant. So I I knew that whatever I was going to discover and go through on this trip was going to be powerful, transformative. And if I could take people on that journey with me, so many self-help books really feel like people are preaching at you or you're reading lessons. And I was like, wouldn't it be awesome if, They could come on this journey with me and, you know, drink wine, have sex, like do all the crazy stuff and heal while I'm healing just from reading about my experience. So the fact that I was able to accomplish that and the messages that I get from my readers are so incredibly touching and powerful. I I guess the answer to the question is I just knew I needed to write it. It was a part of me that was going to come out. And I bought a leather bound journal the day before I left on the trip, started writing on the first day, wrote three fourths of it by hand in that book. It's like very close to how the printed version came out and wrote the whole thing in two and a half months flat, which I can tell you from writing the sequel is wildly fast. (laughs)
0: I know, I'm like, now, I'm not single, but now I need to know what happens, like, because, you know, follow you now, and we and you have a podcast, but it's like, there's this meat in the middle that I need to, I need to dig through, but you do such a beautiful job of bringing the the reader on the trip, I mean, I know I already said it before, but I felt like I was eating the food, but more than that, it's it's not just experiencing Europe, it's experiencing, like, really, vulnerable feelings, like really insecure feelings, really like shameful feelings when you say you're not going to have sex with someone and then you do. And like, what is below the surface? And it's like the way that you express it through writing was like, we've all been there. Like we've all had Mm -hmm. the feeling of not being good enough, or you feel like you're going to be abandoned or you say you're not going to do the thing and shit, I did it again. And it's just, it's such a beautiful way of you, know, you never know how someone's going to interpret that or how what they're going to connect to. I bet that is so cool to hear how it like translates into other people's lives. It's going to be wild.
2: Yeah, it's been the biggest reward out of all of it because obviously like when I released it, there was some fear because it's so raw. It's so vulnerable. Like when I sent the vomit draft to my mother, <laughs> she was like, are you sure you don't want to change your name or take out one of the men that you slept with? And I was like, no, mom, <laughs> if we're going to go big, we got to go big. <laughs> Like people are going to relate to it if I'm like real and authentic. And that has been very, very true apart from, you know, the 5% of people that think I should crawl under a rock and die, but like, welcome to vulnerable art. Like that's part of the territory, but you know, I get messages weekly, if not daily about this book changed my life. This book gave me hope this book got me out of an abusive relationship this book made me realize i need to fight for my marriage this book saved my life like kept me from taking it like really powerful deep messages i go through every single dm that i get i respond to everyone that writes me that has writ- uh, that has read this book because you know you really feel like you've taken this huge journey on me with me and i know how deeply personal it can be for the people that are going on it, so I, I genuinely appreciate whoever takes the time to read it and and I love hearing what they've been able to get out of it.
1: Yeah, I think we already alluded to it, but the thought onion is something that as you're reading it, you can put yourself in there, right You can do your own thought onions and I'm curious for you as you've developed this healing practice because in itself, that is such a healing practice, like what what do you feel like uncovering your subconscious? how do you feel like that really helped you and freed you?
2: Oh, I think it's like the key to everything really. You know, like let's take my abandonment, for example, you know, I have that that fear of abandonment, had, let's say had, I had that fear of abandonment when I love someone, they die. So when you have a subconscious belief, it's really like you're on autopilot and that shit is steering your life. And that's in the driving seat, which is really scary. So unbeknownst to me, because I had this unhealed belief around the fear of abandonment, I was attracting men into my life that were going to abandon me so that I could continuously learn that lesson and heal that. So I'm walking around and I attract my ex-husband who abandoned me in the most heinous and shitty way possible. And the universe was like, Hey, Gabrielle, uh, can we, are we ready to heal that? And I was like, no, no, I'm good. I'm going to go over here actually. And I'm going to attract Javier. Who's going to like, it's almost laughable when you look at it, like abandon me physically two days before we're getting on the plane to the trip that he invited me on. And the universe was like, okay, are we ready now? And I'm like, uh, all right, fine, I guess, sure. And it wasn't until I healed that abandonment wound and became very aware of it, very in tune with it and decided to take steps to rectify it that I was then able to attract people who were never going to abandon me, healthy relationships that were going to be completely opposite of that. I I talk about this on my podcast a lot, but it's very triggering for people sometimes if they're not far into their healing journey, they're like, What do you mean it's my fault I keep getting cheated on? All of these guys are fucking assholes. Yes, 100% they are. But until you realize that any pattern in your life that has happened more than twice is trying to tell you something because there is something within you that is attracting that, not that that means you deserve it, but there is something within you that is attracting that into your life for you to learn that lesson and fix that shit, gonna be a long, long journey until you start taking accountability.
0: I can just hear the ding 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 ding. <laughs> like everybody driving the car is like, shit, she's calling I feel, me out. I, God, I gotta feel do a so thought attacked. onion. What's the thought onion again? So the thought onion is superficial thought. To your authentic thought, to your subconscious thought, and yeah, Gabriel, yeah, the one that the way that <laughs> Gabriel goes through it, I think too, it's helpful to have examples of how you got mm-hmm. to. Because you know, people are like, what well, I don't know, my subconscious, like, what I need a therapist for that, but it, it's not that complicated,
2: right? No, and that's why I love the technique so much, is because you don't need to pay, you know, two hundred dollars to go have a therapist like get you to this realization. It's something you can do in the moment. Um, I still do it to this day. And it really is, you know, looking at your initial knee jerk reaction, which is your superficial thought where it's like, oh, that that's like that hurt me. And like, this is my initial reaction. And then you take a step back and it's like, why did I have that thought? Why did I have that reaction? It's really just doing the why, why, why and mm-hmm. continually listing your stuff out until you get to it. Underneath the superficial thought is the authentic thought, which is usually the ouch spot that caused that superficial reaction to come out in the first place. Like what hurt you that was causing that? What's the the old wound or trauma? And the, underneath that is the subconscious thought. And that's where the real like gold meat and potatoes is, because that's usually from a, like a long stemming trauma or a childhood thing that happened or a deep belief that you have about yourself. And when you can figure out what that layer is, that's the thing you need to either just be aware of or adjust or heal to then have different thoughts and reactions in the future.
1: Can you give an example of one you've done recently? Cuz you said you you do this all the time. So I'm curious cuz we know, you know, in the book which ones you did, but
2: your life now is a lot different. Yeah, totally. So all right, everybody stay with me. Here. <laughs> so um we my my fiance, his daughter lives in Hawaii with her mom. And we, so we go out to visit, she comes out for like, you know, summers and and Christmases and all of her breaks and stuff. And so we were recently out there and we rented an Airbnb. We were like saying goodnight for the first night. And my fiance was like, I'm going to sleep with her tonight. And I was like, okay, no worries. I'm going to go read my book. Love you guys. Good night. And I go into the bedroom and I'm like, Oh, what is that feeling I have? Why does like, What's going on? And I'm like, all right, let's like thought onion it. So the superficial thought would be that sucks. Like, why is he picking her over me? Which sounds ridiculous because like she's 10, like I'm a full grown adult. I understand. But we're not judging our thoughts. That's right. <laughs> um, and it's like, okay, what's the the ouch spot that's under that that caused that superficial reaction? And when I like really you know, got quiet and thought about it. It was like, okay, I don't feel chosen. I I feel like a second choice, which never feels good to anyone. And I was like, all right, but like, what's, there's something under it that's deeper than that. And I'm like, mm, dad left. And it made so much sense because I, as a six-year-old little girl lost my dad. I came into my fiance's life when his daughter was five years old. So just around the age that I was when I lost my dad. So it's very universal. Like none of this is by accident. (laughs) And so it's been a challenge for me to act as Gabrielle, the 34 year old adult who loves this little girl and loves this man and not act from Gabrielle, the six year old little girl that thinks her dad's going to abandon her. So always wants him to be with her and doesn't want to share him. And I had to honor that. And the way that I went around rectifying it, once I got to that subconscious layer of it was you get, uh, you get quiet and you talk to the little girl that's still inside of you. I mean, if you guys haven't done work on little child, like it'll open up your entire Mm -hmm. freaking life. It's like, really intense powerful stuff but you know so if i was 16 when this when this incident you know at my subconscious thought took place you would talk to your 16 year old self whatever so i i got quiet and i talked to my 6 year old little girl and i was like nobody's leaving you you're not abandoned he loves you i love you we're safe everything's fine you don't need to feel like that and it really is you, you then just breathe it out and just being aware of it a lot of the times can give you that peace of like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, I'm not psycho having a weird reaction to a 10-year-old. All right, let's go to bed. Oh, I
0: love that. I love normalizing that we, we're we all little kids walking around with deep wounds, right? All of us. And I think once you do this work, you realize who's self-aware and mm-hmm. who's not, who's thrown tantrums still that hasn't worked on this yet, and who's like, ooh, Let's give our little self some compassion. This is a me problem, not a them problem. Mm-hmm. The know? ownership yep. piece. Yeah. And yeah, I love that. We had Terry Cole on, and she- oh, Love she, her. I know. And she brought us to tears. You know, she said, put a little a picture of that little girl up. Like, that's who you're speaking to when you are being, you know, self-deprecating. Like, don't speak to her like that, you know? And it was like, oh- my God, but it's so true. We're all walking around and those pivotal moments. This is why I it's like shit myself being a parent. I'm like, <laughs>
2: God, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? How am I that, fucking like- them up? Yes! Oh my God. Oh,
0: I even asked Terry that. I'm like, Terry, wanna help me out. Like, how can I not do this terribly wrong? Whatever.
2: So, hey, my mom says all the time, like, you can be the best parent in the history of the world and they're still going to get fucked up somehow. Like, you just that's just part of life.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Your mom seems really cool. It sounds like you have a really good relationship. And I just love for you to talk about that because, you know, just to go on a tangent here quick, when you read this book, everybody falls in love with you. You are just, you can tell you're such a captivating person in it. Like, damn, she walks into a room and she's already, there's someone Mm -hmm. who's already in love with her across the room. Like, you know, if, if you didn't see you on social media like, okay, she must be so beautiful, which you are. But I think there's something about just... Your energy. Your energy, who you are, and just your confidence of like... Thank you. That's such a nice
2: compliment. Yeah,
0: unapologetically Mm -hmm. being you, which is like the most beautiful thing. And so I would love for you to talk about your relationship with your mom and your upbringing and and how you came to be such a a beautiful person inside and out.
2: Oh, thank you. That's really, really touching. Yeah, I mean, I watched my mom... Pick up the pieces after my dad died. I watched her be a single parent and I never knew anything was wrong, even when, you know, she was grieving and when things were hard financially. And I think one of the most pivotal moments that I had with her growing up that really shaped who I am as an adult, I was, I must have been like 13 or 14. And I was studying for some exam and we got into this like crazy screaming fight, which was very rare for us. And I, you know, was like a crazy adolescent teenager. And I turned to her and said something along the lines of, well, it's not fair because I'm upset that dad died. And she looked at me and she was like, Gabrielle, you can be sad. You can have any type of feelings you want about dad not being here. But you will never ever use that as an excuse again. And she really taught me that when things happen to us in life and tragedies take place, after you grieve, when you like, you know, you feel everything you're supposed to feel, that you're eventually gonna get to a crossroads and you have the choice to go left and allow yourself to be a victim to whatever happened to you and continuously be like, it's because of this. And if this didn't happen and it's all because of this, or you can choose to go right and say, okay, this happened to me and let me use it as a springboard to make me even better as a human. And that was a very important lesson for me to learn. And I feel like the things that have happened in my life since that Um, my losing my high school sweetheart, the divorce and the cheating, the heartbreak with Javier, like it really kept me grounded knowing like, even though I'm devastated right now, even though I could blame everything on this right now, like I'm going to make this make me better and keep going.
1: Oh, I love that. The ownership. I think that's what separates the victim mentality versus using You know, using this mess, finding the message in it. I think you do such a beautiful job of walking everyone that comes in your life. You know, whether it's reading your book or following you on social media, it's we're right there with you, bringing the humanness to healing. Because, to your point, you read a personal development book, and it's like, okay, but like, how do we get through it in the moment? Right? Oh, to your point, it's doing the thought onion. Like, Mm -hmm. I love that so much about you and. That you're con- you're still on this healing journey, so I'm curious what healing practices other than the thought onion that you still use
2: today. I'm a big advocate of therapy. Like even when nothing's wrong, take your ass to therapy. <laughs> uh, I know that that's a luxury and not everyone can afford that, but there's so many podcasts and um, like free things out there that you can supplement with that. I know my podcast has become a safe, like therapy space that people come to weekly. So that is definitely a big thing for me. If my fiance and I ever have something that we feel like we are having trouble working through, like we have an appointment that week and it's, you know, very healthy in a lot of ways. So there's that. I also came out recently with a self-love healing journal called Fuck Off I'm Healing. <laughs> I really realized that people after they read the book were like I need like a step-by-step guide to like do what you did. So it's a it's not only for heartbreak, it's for any type of trauma healing, all the bullshit that life throws at you, but it's really like a step-by-step guide of me walking you through with like different questions, different prompts, different stories that are going to give you insight to help you fix a lot of the stuff that we've been carrying around for a long time. So big advocate of, of journaling and, and writing out your thoughts and speaking out your thoughts. I think the more we hold things in and bottle things up, it's, it it kills us. It, It literally is what the cause of so many illnesses are. So speaking, whether that's therapy, you know, talking to friends and family, writing it out, definitely a, a part of my daily practices
0: something that i keep thinking about is you know you have a partner now a life partner that's also a dad and you're you're co-parenting and you know you can do your part right you can do the therapy and have the podcast and whatever but in our society men's mental health is it's a problem that they don't talk about it. They don't write about it, you know. And so what's that like in your relationship? You know, what what's he like and how do you have this relationship that is like continuing to heal together?
2: Yeah, it was a really interesting dynamic because he came into my life when I was very not healed. And people, when you read the sequel, The Ridiculous Misadventures of the Single Girl, he is in that book throughout it you meet him you'll see how we got to where we are cuz it was not an easy journey and he's always been so patient with me and allowed me to take the time i needed even when it was hurting him to figure my shit out to heal and i think we've always had such open and honest communication even when it didn't feel good um even when it was hard to hear we were always very brutally honest with each other and have continued to be since then. You know, we're wildly happy now, but it was a journey to get here for sure. It was very difficult for me to accept healthy love because I was so used to toxic love. And I was like, oh, well, this this can't, this can't be right. Where's the drama? Where's the (laughs) not feeling good enough? Where's the abandonment? Like, this can't be it. (laughs) So it was, it was a, a challenge for me. And luckily he, he is someone that has done the work on himself, is very compassionate, is very open. I mean, now, like, I can't imagine being single. If I was like, I'd be on a first date and be like, have you been to therapy? Like, what what are the traumas you've overcome? <laughs> How's your relationship with your mom? Like it, it would, you know, it's the checklist of the things that are important when you're in like your 30s as opposed to when you're in your 20s are like drastically different. I, I feel like people that got to know me so well in the first book, they then get to know him so well in the second book. And I get DMs after people read the sequel and they're like, I'm breaking up with my person. Like, I'm waiting for my Tyler. Like, mm. this is bullshit. <laughs> or I'm, you know, going to stay single until I find someone like him. Like, he really – not to pat myself on the back, but also, you know, I've been through the ringer and I fucking deserve it, damn it.
0: That's right. Well, it speaks to your healing too that yeah, you attracted him once that you I was like, able to yeah. – ab-
2: absolutely. That he really is in like the top 1% of men on this planet. And I do believe – That good men exist. I mean, he's proof of that. I have friends that are proof of that. I think sometimes it feels like there's not enough of them because some of them haven't grown into them yet. But I do believe that they are out there. And, you know, that's why I try and bring some really healed examples of men onto the podcast because I think it's so important to break down that stigma of like men can't be vulnerable, men can't cry, be a man. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? You know?
0: Thank you for saying that. Yeah, that's powerful because, and it's it's cool to think of it like that. They just haven't grown into that yet. That's super cool because yeah, you know, we're all a product of our upbringing. But then how how long can you be a victim of that? Right? Like you're a man now, like own your feelings let's talk about it I was trying like get my brothers to like talk about stuff they're like no we're I'm watching the game I'm watching the game we're not no Andrea I'm not crying with you right now
1: yeah was Tyler always like that or do you feel like you kind of had to pull that out of him because I feel like a lot of women listening can relate to their partners not wanting to go there and so how do you get someone to go there
2: Yeah. He was never like that with me. He's always been a good guy even in his past relationships, but I don't think he was as good as he is now that he's like done all the work and grown into himself. And, you know, he also, it's weird how similar our our past traumas are. He lost his mom as well and was the one that found her when he was 14 and coming from like an all male Persian family. Like it was a, the fact that he turned out as compassionate and loving as he is, is like shocking to me, but no, I can't, I can't take credit for me being the one that had to pull that element out of him. Um, If he was sitting here, he would say that my drive and ambition pushed him to be more driven in his life and to like get his shit together in a more financial and like structured way. But as far as his like emotional intelligence, like that has always been very present. And I think is what I was so attracted to that he was like, yeah, let's go to therapy. It's like, oh, fantastic. Sign me up.
1: (laughs) So what would you say to someone who is dealing with someone who doesn't have a partner like that? I'm curious what you'd say.
2: Yeah, it's tough. A lot of my listeners and readers that that write into me are experiencing that and I, I feel for them because that's a prerequisite for me. If you're not willing to go to a third party to talk about our shit, to get to a better place for our relationship, for your mental health, for my mental health, like that's not a relationship I want to be in. But I know that that's easier said than done. If you're married and committed and have kids and things have changed, I, I get that. I think there's a certain amount of work you can do on your own and then try and, you know, take that, whatever you've done, whatever therapy sessions you've had, and then reiterate that to your partner and speak as open and honestly as possible. I'm a big advocate of writing letters. If people aren't great at communicating, writing a letter and making sure you get all of your points out that you want to say and you can express yourself calmly and clearly, and then the other person is forced to read that in its entirety. And then you can discuss it. But I think at the end of the day, you really have to go within and say, is, is the fact that he's not going to meet me halfway, or he's not going to make the changes that I want him to make. Is that going to sacrifice anything on my mental health or my happiness? And then decide if that's an okay thing that you want to live with. I love it. That got, that got dark guys. No, Sorry. That, like, <laughs> that's what
1: the people need, right? That's yeah. That's who you are, real raw, and your podcast is exactly that. So FML, talk.
2: Let's talk about it. You're on season five, yeah, which, is, which wild. is wild. Yes, yeah. We started it in the pandemic, and I was like, everybody has a podcast. Like I've been a guest on so many. What am I going to talk about? This is dumb. And I was like, all right, maybe like a thousand of my readers will come over and tune in. And it just took off like wildfire to the point where I still have listeners that are like, I'm obsessed with your podcast. I've never read your book. And I'm like, how have you gotten this far in the podcast and not read? I'm impressed. But it's really become like this safe space for people to really like go to therapy on Wednesdays and, you know it's still got a lot of humor and I'm very blunt and I curse like a sailor. (laughs) And, you know, we have some fun, fun episodes that are a lot more lighthearted and girl talk. And, uh, I have great guests that come on, but it's really been an incredible, I mean, I'm sure you guys know, it's been an incredible way to stay connected consistently with the people that have become a part of my community.
0: It's a beautiful experience. And I think too, it's kind of a wild ride. You never really know, like, You talk with someone like you that we don't know what's going to come out of your mouth totally until we sit down, or you see a side of someone you never really thought that you would see. You you have kind of your expectations going in, but we have been surprised in the best way so many times, and and you learn a lot about people when you're asking them to be on your show and they Mm -hmm. sit down to take the time with you. Like in general, I would say people are better humans than we thought they were. (laughs) You know, and everybody has some. deep, dark stuff that we love to get into. And so I think people like you are such a gift that you can just, full disclosure, like why are we hiding any part of this? We're all struggling. We all have insecurities. We all have gone through shit. We all still are going through things that whether it doesn't matter what walk of life you're coming from, that we need to talk about it. And so I'm just so thankful that you've created it. And that you put it in a book and you can, I can't wait to see what you do, what you write about next. It's really exciting.
2: Oh, thank you. And I mean, yeah, same back at you guys, you know, sitting down and bringing all of these different incredible listeners together to give them that gift of being open and vulnerable and honest. Because when we do that, other people are able to connect and heal through that. And it's, it's an important thing that we can do as humans.
1: Absolutely. You're talking about your trauma, your pain is what's going to liberate someone else's. So yeah. like Andrea said, we're so, so grateful for you. People can get more of you by tuning into your podcast, FML Talk. Where else can our listeners follow you, support you, or can they find you?
2: Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone. The book is at eat, pray, FML. I'm also on TikTok, which is at Gabrielle underscore stone. And the books are exclusively available on Amazon. The first one is eat, pray, FML. The second one is the ridiculous misadventures of a single girl. So they're on Amazon. You can also get them signed, personalized by me, uh, on eatprayfml.com, which is where we have all the podcast merch and kind of like all the info in one place. And then the journal is also, uh, available either on the website or on Amazon.
0: Wonderful. All right, Gabrielle, we always give our listeners three gold stars, three takeaways that you would like to share. What are yours?
2: I'm going to start with solo travel. When you have the chance, it will teach you amazing things about yourself and change your life in the best ways. Keep your heart open, which is probably the best lesson I've ever learned from my mom when people die, when people hurt you, when it makes sense to close your heart up and pack it up and go home, keep your heart open. And no matter what you are going through in life and how dark it may seem, I promise you there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it is more beautiful than you could ever imagine. So keep going.
1: So, so beautiful. We want more of you though. We have our next segment, which is Unleashing Ivy. So these are our three rapid fire questions. Are you ready?
2: I I am, but I'm horrible at these, but I will do my best. (laughs) You're going to do great.
0: Well, it's funny. Listeners, Gabrielle had no idea what we were going to talk to her about. We we run through this, but she was like, ask me literally anything. So this whole thing has kind of been a surprise. I mean, not really. Cause you knew it's your life. No, no, it's no. If life. they're
2: rapid, if they're rapid fire about my life, I'm fine. But if it's like, what's your favorite cereal? I'm like, oh my God, panic, panic. <laughs> no, we're um, going to go way deeper than cereal. <laughs> okay. Great. Great. I'm ready.
1: <laughs> Mine's pretty deep. Okay. What has been your biggest lesson from divorce?
2: Mm, well, I'm gonna kind of repeat myself, but it's it bears repeating um keep your heart open. I think if there was ever a time for me to be like, screw this, I'm going to shut my heart down and not let anybody in. it would have been after my divorce when I was you know cheated on. And if I would have done that, I would have never met and fallen in love with Javier, which would have like opened up so much of myself. I wouldn't have gone on this crazy journey and ultimately had my whole career changed by writing this book.
0: Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. I'm so thankful that you kept it open. Butterfly effect too. Yes. Yes. Okay. My question is something we haven't really touched on that much, and it's just your sexual confidence. In this book, you are just like, damn, like she is just clearly very confident and you are very open about your sexual encounters in the book, which I'm like, yeah. So where does that come from and how do you cultivate your sexual confidence?
2: Oh, my God, this is going to be such a weird answer. I wish I could be like, I'm just so fucking confident, like it's just so sexy all the time. (laughs) But I mean, you know, from reading the thought onions in the book that It was very performative for me and I discovered throughout, you know, having sex on this trip that I was using my body and sex as a form of or a tool rather to get people to be close to me so that I wouldn't feel abandoned, which is so – it was such a mind-blowing revelation and so fucked up if you really think about it because that's such a sacred thing to just like be handing out like candy. But, you know, that's not to say if you don't want to have a drink and have a one-night stand, like more power to you. If if you're doing it from an empowered place, and I was not. I was doing it from a place of, oh, please take care of me. Oh, please, I don't want to feel alone. And that was a really toxic cycle that I needed to wake up and uh, and realize.
0: That's powerful. Not what I thought you were going to say. Yeah, same. And I, I just think that we just had an episode with an intimacy coach and she was like giving like literal tips on how to like get that intimacy. And I think it's just something that we need to talk about more. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're married or single, a lot of people struggle with it and or they don't struggle with it because mm-hmm. there's something deeper going on.
2: Oh, totally. I I had, if I took any scars from my, my marriage, it was in the sexuality department. I always felt so pressured from him to have sex and to have a specific type of sex. And like he wanted like 50 shades of gray twice a day. And I was like, dude, I don't care if you're fucking Channing Tatum, like that's not happening. Like that's exhausting. And When I got into my current relationship, it really took a lot of communicating and him being very patient with me to undo a lot of that trauma. Because unfortunately, I know a lot of people listening are probably going to resonate with this, which sucks. When you get into those relationships or marriages, when you feel pressured and you're guilted into having sex it more or less becomes you disassociating and allowing something to happen to your body. And that's absolutely horrible. And it over time takes a toll on you. And to then undo that and figure out how to have a, sec- a, a healthy sexual relationship with someone, it it took a lot of work for me to, to realize that that had been done and to undo that and then rebuild upon that.
0: Oh, thank you for sharing that. I Mm -hmm. feel like it's such an intimate thing to talk about and just how mental it is. It's it's a physical act, but it's such a a mental game sometimes. And and people have been through, especially women have been through so much. Mm -hmm. And
1: that's what Dr. Jack, the intimacy coach, had talked about too, is it's really that healthy relationship with yourself first and then communicating that with your partner, which is exactly what I'm hearing you say now. Powerful stuff that, yeah, we definitely need to talk about more as women. And so I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Um, Our last question for you, Gabrielle, is what is one thing you wish you would have known sooner?
2: I think I would, you know, it's always like that question of like, is there anything you regret? And you go into the, well, I don't really regret anything because like, look at all the things I've learned and I'm here because of it. But if I could tell my younger self something and therefore would have known it sooner, (laughs) it would be you don't have to get everything right the first time and don't put the pressure on yourself to do so. Like, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay if the marriage fails. You don't have to have him cheat on you in order to leave if you're unhappy. You don't have to get it right the first time or the second time. Like, life is very much so about – making mistakes. And as long as you are learning from them and growing from them and taking accountability for what is on your side of the street, then you're doing it right.
0: Ooh, preach. Beautifully said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, so it's
2: like you're a writer and a podcast host <laughs> or something. I, uh, You know, the, so they say, I still don't know if I feel that way, but I'll take it. <laughs>
0: and you can tell, I don't know. It's just like, I can feel that you're just this humble and real person. And so... I think that's part of the nerves when we are about to, like, you know, we're waiting for you to come on the Zoom is, like, please don't be a douchebag. You know, like, you, (laughs) like, have these hopes, but you are exactly what we were, like, you're just such an honest and open person. And to me, those people are free, right? And you've been, like, set free. You know that what comes from being honest and open and vulnerable. And you're helping other people do the same thing. And so I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Keep writing, keep providing journals. We will keep rooting for you and using all of your techniques oh, thank because you. <laughs> you're really onto something and it's it's beautiful to be a part of it.
2: Thank you so much. This was such a lovely conversation and I see you know what a beautiful relationship you two have and, and how great your show is. So I really, I, I appreciate it and I appreciate you reading the book. So thank you for that.
1: Absolutely. And we will plug everything in our show notes so our listeners can have easy access to you. Gabrielle, we leave our listeners with a piece of gold, a quote that speaks to you. Will you please share yours?
2: I'm going to give you the quote that I have tattooed on my side. And that is, when I stand before God at the end of my life, I hope to not have a single bit of talent left and can say, I used everything you gave me.
0: This is Gold Ivy signing up. Listen to your truth and go chase your gold.